Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you to raise the bar on your own performance and to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. Each week, we interview somebody that's got experience, training, expertise in a particular topic. Now, we never try to put people on a pedestal that they're perfect all the time, but you know we've done enough that we've learned things that work, things that don't work, and we have some experience behind that. Today, we have a marketing specialist, uh, Chris Barlow, and Chris is going to talk to us. Well, we, we have a title for today's show, Seven Questions That Unlock How Your Organization Can Attract New Donors. And Chris has got an ebook he's going to give away. We'll show you how to get to it. But let's start with who is Chris and why do you do this? It's uh, great to be with you today. Uh, thank you so much uh, for having me. And uh, so in uh, when I was a kid, I imagined um, I always wanted to do something adventurous for my career. Uh, I wanted to live overseas, learn a new language, do something fun, do something, you know, cause focused or ministry focused of some kind. And uh, I ended up having to get a job after college um, just to make a living. And to my great surprise, uh, I had a job. So I had a job in sales, at a, in, in finance, actually cold calling. And to my great surprise, I really enjoyed it. And so that was kind of out of left field and, and a, a really unexpected turn. And I did that for a, a while, over 10 years. Um, and, but I, I at all, all along the way, as, as I was enjoying that job and, and the work that we were doing, um, I knew that I wasn't gonna be able to retire there. I just, I just didn't think, one, that the company itself and, and two, in the industry. And I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm gonna age out. When I'm 50, I'm not gonna be employable anymore. And, and I just didn't have the passion to, to go that long in it. And so, I started thinking about you know, starting a business and I wasn't exactly sure the direction I was going to take yet, um, but kind of things came together and I, I took some marketing classes and got really excited about it and really passionate about it. And I started Beeline in 2015. And again, I wasn't quite sure what direction I was gonna take Beeline, but I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna volunteer with this local nonprofit. I'm gonna help them out with their digital marketing. I'm gonna get some experience under my belt and, uh, and help them, and see, you know, just help them out along the way. And that was really the, the door to where we, where we are today, where I am today. And um, that led to referrals to other nonprofits that led to them saying, hey, we like what you're doing so much, we wanna pay you for it. And um, now, you know, my, our focus is entirely um, on helping nonprofits with digital marketing. And, um, and so that's been a really fun to kind of come full circle and, and have to be able to continue to use that passion for business and, and running a business and yet still um, be able to reconnect with that desire to, to, to do something that serves people and be cause focused. You're on the nonprofit exchange. If you just happened by um, on, on um, Facebook, um, we're talking about hmm, this, this big topic of digital marketing. Now it's, it seems to be a mystery to some people. So um, Chris, uh, how can 
nonprofits. Now we're talking to nonprofit leaders and clergy, and of course, it's a business model. It's the business of nonprofit. It's the business of church. How do we? Uh, and our business is different. It's transforming lives, but there's a business model of creating revenue so that we can provide value to more people. So how can nonprofits use marketing to attract completely new people? There's just a lot of noise out there. So give us some tips, would you? Well, the first thing is just to realize like what are people, you know, we're speaking of specifically digital marketing, what are people going online for? Why? And, and realizing that our approach to meeting new people and attracting them needs to be, first of all, meeting them where they're at. And so understanding that we need to serve them, that we need to meet them what they're at, the, what they're looking for, whether that's they're going online to solve a problem, ask a question, they're looking for an answer, um, whether that's a, a personal question, a spiritual question, if you know, like with clergy or, or you know, whether that they're looking for entertainment of some kind. And so if we can serve people and meet them where they're looking at in a way that makes sense for us in this organization, then that is how we can start attracting them. We serve people. So um, what does it mean to serve donors? So obviously you could create a whole program to serve people as part of your or nonprofit, but that's probably not a good way to fulfill your mission because that's not going to be the same as your mission is serving donors. So what's a way that you can do that sustainably? And that I like to recommend or, or I've seen a lot of, uh, of good results with creating some kind of digital resource that helps people um, answer that question or, or guides them in a quick way um, that doesn't require ongoing effort from you. And so if you can if you can put together some kind of resource that's digital, that's a way to serve them, meet their answer their question again, but that it doesn't pull ongoing effort from your programs and from your main thrust as an organization. So it's about leveraging. Now, I know people that get sucked into the vortex of social media. And I mean, you, you get in some of it and there's all these current affairs and people get sucked into it. And then we forget, oh, here's a lot of time that's gone by and we haven't got anything done. Um, so let's, let's go back for the few definitions. Um, generally speaking, I'm not sure uh, people I know that run these organizations understand what marketing is and why they need it. So let's do a definition of terms. You have public relations, we have marketing and we have sales, and then we've got social media as a connecting point. So how about giving us some fundamental definitions of those and why you're in this marketing uh, realm? That's a great question. So sales is, um, obviously, if you're helping someone solve a problem, usually on a one-to-one -one basis. Um, maybe you're in the front of a group, but it's very much a very personal one-to-one. -one. PR, that's kind of... Um, the appropriate place where you are speaking one to many and you are just trying to bring an announcement and awareness about something about your organization, um, something important, something noteworthy. Um, it's about your, your branding and, and you're not trying to speak to any one person individually. And then marketing is, um, and more and more with the technology that's available, it is um, one to one at scale. And it, the, the, the more effective, You'll be, it's talking to people as if you're having the one-to-one -one conversation, or it's even opening the door for people to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation, but you're doing it, so at, at, you're reaching many people at once. And then those who engage, you you continue that engagement in other ways with through marketing. And social media, I would say is a channel. 
to kind of where you can do any of those things. Now we we um, we post in social media and we we present to donors and. I think we've gotten the wrong twist on some of these. Now, I most of the nonprofits that I'm acquainted with need money. We're after money, but we hate making presentations. We hate, we hate raising money. So we have this big disconnect. So for, for we teach in Center Vision that underneath leadership is relationship. Mm -hmm. The driver for communication is relationship. And the connector from what we have to the results in money from mental capital to financial capital is relationship capital. So how do we then use this, this whole digital arena, which is partly social media, but not entirely? How do, we, how do we use this to build relationships so that people actually pay attention to our message? Well, and that's kind of going back to, do we have our audience, our potential donors, our donors' interests at our heart. And, and that's not just, it's so easy to say, well, we're telling our story, we're making it compelling and stuff. And that's all important and very good. But we also need to be aware of what their needs are. And we're obviously not here to meet all of our donors' needs, all of our audience's needs. But if we create a guide, for example, um, on if we're an if I'm if I'm an animal sanctuary, the main our programs are about helping animals. We're actually serving the animals, but we could create a guide on how to potty train your dog or cat or litter train or or how to help your dog stop barking. And that guide you can use to attract new people who are you know on social media online looking for that same question. But you can also give it to your current donors and say, hey, we created this for you. And we just, we, we just, we, this is coming from our own expertise as an animal sanctuary. We know how this works and we thought it might help you. And so there was no strings attached. It's not because you came to our event. It's not because you donated. It's just, we created this to serve you. And, and that's because it's part of our heart as a mission, as an organization to help people care for animals. So that I asked the question a lot to leaders, you know, what is your product? And what they tell me is what they do, mm. not the results of what they do. Now, I imagine part of your job working with people that are raising money is to be able to define what their product, what are the, what's the impact? Their product is impact, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, we feed people, but are we helping them develop a sustainable lifetime and, and get out of the poverty they're in? So, how, I guess you coach people that need you into what the right message is. So is that a problem trying to define what it is that, that, that we're asking people to support? Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the product is your results. Um, and, but but it, it comes from what is your why as an organization? And, and that is the first of those, of those seven questions is, what is our guiding principle as an organization? Because that kind of can define everything else because your particular solution as a nonprofit, you're, you're, you're going about trying to solve poverty in this particular way. Well, if circumstances change and, and now this particular problem, the way you're solving it is no longer relevant. Well, your guiding principle can redirect you on how you can still continue to fulfill your why in a new way. Um, 
So this is a, a for-profit example, but I think it's a great story and illustrates my point. In 1975, Eastman Kodak, someone from there, developed an, or invented uh, a digital camera. And, but Eastman Kodak thought of their product as film. And they're, we're the best film company in the world. We have all the chemists, we have all the expertise. We have the, we just top quality film. And they kind of doubled down on that in the nineties and two thousands when the digital camera was coming out and replacing film. And so instead of realizing, wait, our guiding principle could be, or, or is, we help people capture and keep memories. They thought their guiding principle was we're the best film. We provide the best top quality film. And because of that, you know, in 2012, I think is when they went out of business. But if they had kept that guiding principle in mind, it would have helped them say, this is what our real product is. Our real product is memories. And so as an organization and nonprofit, it's the same thing. It's what is that? What is our guiding principle? That leads us to the result. And the way we get there, our programs can change. In fact, they are going to change. Well, and I had a Kodak dealership from uh, oh. 72 through when they went to up to late 90s. And they actually filed for bankruptcy when they owned silver imaging in the world and they thought silver imaging was always here to stay and they ignored they ignored the competitors from japan they ignored the trends in the market so even the biggest most powerful companies um, lose lose their way when they're not paying attention and when like you pointed out clearly defining what their product is and their product is imaging it's memories mm -hmm. and you know it doesn't matter how you get there and, um, and so I saw them lose their way little by little, and they were so insular, they couldn't see it. So part of your work is helping leaders understand there's a twist on this that helps donors support. I think donors will support what they believe in. They won't support anything they don't believe in. Mm -hmm. So if we give them a reason to believe, and we don't treat them like an ATM machine. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a transaction but there's also relationship. So getting clear on that, thank you for, these are questions that aren't on our chart. So thank you for letting me put you on the spot. No problem. Uh, I knew that you could handle it because you you know how to do this. So why don't we we um, go over those seven questions. So let me, let me throw it out and you tell me why that's important. Now you've already talked about what is our guiding principle. I'll go to the next one, unless there's more you want to say about how do we create, you're using the guiding principle is, is what? How do you define guiding principle? That, that is your why, your, your, your underlying belief, the core belief of why you were formed. I, you know, the, the, the way the world should be this way. The world, the world would be better if it was this way. This is, this is a good that we are, they want to see and achieve because this is, um, you know, this is a good ultimate good. And so, and then that, that comes from that as a problem. There's a problem that the reason the world isn't this way. And so therefore our solution is to address this problem this way. And that kind of kind of define how you do your marketing, how you do everything. I can't tell you how often I talk to business leaders and where there's for-profit businesses and there's for-purpose tax exempt businesses. And you know, we're <laughs> we got the same guidelines for leading, same guidelines for creating revenue because you you provide value, it brings you revenue. Mm -hmm. And we just can't distribute the profits in a nonprofit and it's a lot more complex. We have more rules. So it's a lot harder. Mm -hmm. So we have to master all the business principles and then go a little bit further 
to be able to, to do our work. And it's really important. Nonprofits do important stuff today. So what you're talking about, I see as critical for all of us. You know, I learn stuff every week when I interview guests and the Center Vision is a nonprofit. So it's, it's important to not talk about what we do. It's important to talk about what results we create. We're, about, we're in the business of transforming. So it's, it's important that we get our head around that. And actually, when you market, probably you have to coach people on saying less so that's more, more important and people can grasp it. Is that, am I guessing correctly? Yeah. And um, generally, in general, when you're like with marketing or, or with anything, serving people, people would rather you go deeper with less than throw the whole kitchen sink at them, you know, and give them everything they could think of. Well, I love this summary that um, I heard from one of our Wayfinders in Center Vision. A confused mind says no. Yes. We just lay everything on them and wonder why they don't. Oh, good luck. Hey, they liked what I had, but they didn't write a check. So number one is what is your guiding principle? Number two, what is your expertise? Yeah. So if you want to figure out how to serve your donors um, or attract new donors is, is you need to know who you are, what you can do well kind of what are your limits? What are you good at? What are your skills, knowledge, experiences as an organization? And don't just limit yourself to what you're doing with your programs. Come back to your fundamental why and, and let that, or your writing principle, and let that kind of inform, okay, what are, the ex, what are the areas of expertise that come from that or that can further that? And, uh, and that, that, again, in turn leads to, um, I, I'm, I'll just go ahead and say, what, who are our donors? What issues do they have? That we could address that's question number three because it's those two together that informs you what can we do as an organization to serve people that will attract them because our, we need to know who our donors are if we are going to and we need to know what they're thinking about what their problems are as related to what our expertise is if we want to meet them where they're at and attract and, and put put a solution in front of them that they don't have to think too hard about like you were saying, don't, don't confuse them. And I guess develop enough relationships so you know, in fact, what they are interested in. Mm -hmm. We, we yep. want to just treat everybody like an ATM. Of course, you're interested in this because it's important. Well, that, that's how I look. There's plenty of things in my mail that tell me I can donate to this or to that mm -hmm. and support this or that. So there's a lot of people doing worthy work and we get to choose. And what our job is, is to inform people enough so they choose us, at least for part of their donation. So three is who is our donors and what issues do they have that we could address? They probably have a passion for seeing things happen. And we could say, okay, your money is going to deliver the results you want if we know enough about them so that it's a relationship-based conversation. Mm -hmm. So number four, what digital resources could we create to address these issues. Yeah, so there's a, there's a, again, I mentioned at the beginning, it, it, we focus on creating something digital that's a one-time effort and not ongoing because we can't create a new program. This isn't about changing the programs for your mission. So examples include that we could create a petition. If we have a cause that people wanna get behind and, and put their voice behind and we wanna make change that way, you can create a petition. You can create a, a, a kind of digital guide or ebook, something along those lines. You can go as far as creating an online course. Um, and the more effort that you put in, the more valuable that it can be perceived. You know, an online course is going to be a ton of work for you. 
it's going to most more people are going to opt in and convert to to taking your free online course. If you're offering that to people to address some issue that they have that you're an expert in, you're going to get a lot of new subscribers, but it's going to require a ton of work to create that. Whereas if you create a petition, it's like one page. It's not a lot of effort. A lot less people are going to on percentage wise opt in. Um, and that's why I, I like to recommend the guide or ebook because it's kind of right there in the middle. It's not nearly as much work as an online course. It takes, you know, maybe a week to put together instead of weeks. Um, unlike a petition, it takes hours. But you're, you're, the amount of people who are going to say, that looks really helpful, that looks like it's going to address my question or problem, uh, is going to be at a, at a really good kind of happy medium in terms of effort and results. So a guide is like a 10 tips or a checklist, or what would a guide look like? Yeah, so um, I think a great one would be uh, like a faith was if you asked um, important theological questions from and of different people, of people of different faiths and getting their answers. So if you want to help kind of present like the difference of your faith, ask some pointed questions of different and then share that as a video series for people. Or um, if you're uh, in, on the arts, create a video series on how to prepare for your next audition and, and have your actors at your arts at the theater teach these principles and then offer that to high schoolers and college students and teachers. And, and you'll get all these people signing up for this, these, how to audition well or how to act or how, you know anything like that'll teach them along those lines. And now they're learning about your arts nonprofit and you can invite them to your shows. Um, if, you know, if you're in the education space, you could create a guide on how to become your child's advocate at school from IEP plans to a gifted program, like just helping parents to, to get their kid, you know, if the kid, parents are online, they're looking for questions. How do I help my kid at school? How do I help their, you know, their grades? And, and you've got a guide on how and basically how to do that. So those are just a few examples. So I want to point out here in the middle of your seven questions that Chris has a, a free ebook. And all you do is go to your, Y-O-U-R, yourbeeline.com. And when, when we go to yourbeeline.com, then there's a chance to register for how to use digital marketing to find new donors. So that's an ebook and people can download. Tell people what that, that book is like. And so it's about 30 pages and it gives you a six step process um, that includes these questions and includes basically where do we start to understand who, who we are, who our donors are, how we can serve them and how we can create a step-by-step -step process that consistently brings in new people to our organization, grows our email list and uh, helps, helps people kind of not only helps us serve them, but understand who we are and gives us the opportunity to, to get them passionate about what we're doing. Yeah, for more information about what Chris offers and what he's doing, you can go to um, yourbeeline.com. Now, Chris, I also noticed there's a contact tab. Mm -hmm. If people contact you, have questions, um, is, is that appropriate? I'm happy to answer any questions. That's great. That's fine. So I, it occurs to me in all of this process, there's an educational piece. If... Um, if we want donors to be better donors, we want to educate them on what's going on in our in our organization. So um, I'm going to come back and talk about that a little bit, but it, that's a thread that kind of comes to my mind. Do you want to comment on that before I go to uh, yeah. the next question? Well, when you, you know, if someone gets a resource from you, then it's very natural for you to not only um, follow up with them via email and, and with a, you know, use email as a way to continue to serve them, but to introduce yourself and say, well, why, 
why did we do this in the first place? Why are we serving you? Well, guess what? This is our mission. This, you know, we serve you because this is our guiding principle. This is our heart. And this heart leads us to do this mission. And this is what our, our, the big picture is about. And this is who we're serving. And so um, it's really natural for, I, I was, so I was in sales. Um, and when I went to networking events, I would go and meet people and, and shake their hand and ask them about themselves because I wanted to get to know them. I wanted them to be interested in what, like if I thought they might be someone who could be a, a good, you know, someone for me to meet potentially for business, I just would show interest in them. And that would naturally reciprocate into them showing interest in me. And so um, I think it's the same way with marketing. You, you show interest in them, you help them. They're gonna say, well, who are you? And why are you helping us? And why, you know, that kind of even un unconscious question of why are you an expert to address this problem? We're on the nonprofit exchange. If you just happen by um, Facebook and we're talking about the seven questions that can unlock how your donors, uh, how you can attract new donors to your organization. Now, uh, with your permission, I'd like to use the overarching term of supporters because the the message is similar maybe not exactly the same but it's similar for getting board members and getting volunteers who yes. support you with their time their talent and their money so so it's so we, you would agree it's that's a similar message maybe a little yes. nuance you absolutely yeah so um all right people watching on the on the webinar please enter questions in the chat if you're on facebook and we're, we're monitoring those for questions so number five we're down to five um now, let me go back to four. We, sure. A lot of options for digital. Now, how much is too much? How many, how many different platforms should we be on social media? How many emails mm. should we send? How many texts should we send? <laughs> you know, how many pigeons, carrier pigeons should we fly over? How, how much is too much? That's a great question. Well, the first thing I would say is, based on your own limitations and team, because um, you don't want to burn yourself out. Do something that's sustainable for you and for your team and what you can do. And again, it comes all down to the heart of the matter, because if you're serving people, they'll open an email from you every day. If you're asking for them to donate every day, they're going to get burned out real fast. Um, and you know you don't need to do daily emails or daily social media, but you can't, you know, daily social media posts, depending on what you're doing, it can be just fine. Um, and of course, not, you know, just because you're posting daily on social media, pe most people, most of your audience aren't going to see every post. They're just going to see some of those posts. Um, and so really, I think it comes down to, do you have um, something that's worth sharing, that's worth posting? And can you, uh, what is your heart in that? And what is your capacity? So um, that's, you know, you open up a lot of, a lot of interesting, interesting things there. So, um, and then depending on the type of social media platform, it, it's a different message. You know, yes. Twitter, Twitter, you got to get right to it. Yes. And it's got 20 seconds of shelf life and then it's, <laughs> you know, it's in the background. So um, uh, Mark Morris has just thrown a question in. He's joining us from Peru, I believe. Um, so there are pros and cons of donation platforms. That's another digital form besides that. And I don't know, one time there were 800 funding platforms. So, and he also goes, uh, they take donations, take a fee, but it's kind of crowded out there. 
Um, and he also goes on to say the GoFundMe is closing their platform in September. So any pros and cons of that digital platform? I, I feel like um, pretty much every nonprofit should use a donation platform, you know, unless you're really big and you have internal programmers because handling the, the, the software, all the pieces that need to work, all the security that needs to happen, um, all the different ways that people can pay, like you don't want to get into all that. And so a donation platform, a lot of them can integrate directly with your website. Um, and so um, there's a lot of good donation platforms. I just saw the other question, any recommendations? Um, so Raise Donors is one I recommend. Um, they, are, they are a part of Virtuous, although you don't have to use Virtuous CRM. Raise Donors is great. Fundraise Up is a great one. Um, there's a lot of them out there. Um, Give Butter. And um, they usually have tools that you can just integrate the, but the buttons directly into your site. And um, they, they, they take care of a lot of the stuff that you would have to try to figure out from scratch or program or hire a program. Like you don't, don't mess with that unless you're really big and then you don't need to me to tell you that, so. Mm -hmm. But it, it, would, it would necessitate getting your message really clear like you help people with in, the, in getting their marketing together. So let's go to five. What does our team hear or see on the front lines of our mission? I wanna, and I'll take five, six, and seven together. And um, the reason for that is though all three of those address something you mentioned uh, previously. And that is um, the, the what are donors, what do they do actually want? And understanding what's gonna be worth our while to create. And so what does our team or see or here on the front lines of our mission? The questions that people are asking or the issues that they're addressing as you're fulfilling your programs and fulfilling your mission are probably going to be some of the same or similar questions that your donors are having or the people that you want your volunteers or your board. It might not be, it might be in a different context. It might be a different kind of level of need. But if you, uh, here's a crazy example. If you help, um, you know, communities in Africa learn how to do, create and build and, and do their own beehives for as a business so that they can have new, you know, small bit, you know, cottage industries. Well, you have people in the U.S. who are interested in, in beekeeping, and they have the same kinds of problems and questions. It's not for like a living, it's for a hobby, but you're addressing, you can address the same problems that they're going to face at a different level. And so the questions you're seeing or the problems you're seeing at the front line of your mission really can inform you on what you could be addressing uh, on, on the donor side or on your supporter side. Love it, love it. So five is what does our team hear or see on the front lines of our mission? Six, what are people searching for online related to these issues and resources? And seven, what perceived value do our donors have about the resources that we could create? Um, now, you're an expert, I believe, in AdWords as well. And that's a good, and, and, and you have a, a link that people can actually learn how to get the $10,000 grant a month with AdWords. It occurs to me that's a, a, it's primary research. You can see what people are looking yes. for. That's, that's research that you don't have to pay for. Exactly. In fact, you don't even need to be in the grants program to get free uh, to do research on Google. You can go create a, an account with ads.google.com. Just don't enter your, your any payment information. Create a new account if you already have a grants account and you don't have act, whatever. There's a tool called the keyword planning tool. It's inside their tools and menu. And then you can just enter in keywords and find out what the search volume is and what the 
expected cost per click would be and how competitive those keywords are. And, and you could do that kind of market research to get an idea, how much demand is there? How many people are searching for this problem that we could potentially address? We have all these different areas we could potentially address. Um, we can do beekeeping, we can do uh, uh, how to train uh, you, you know, your dog for, to not bark, we can, you know, I'm just making this stuff up. And where is the most volume? What, what has, a, like, is there an area where there's a lot of volume but not a lot of competition? Whatever it might be, you can just kind of get an idea of where the demand is. Um, so you're hearing the, the problems from the front lines, you're get doing the market research and you don't even, it's not just Google uh, keyword. You can also just do a Google search and find out how many results are there and see what other resources have been created and, and other answers are out there. Because if there's a lot of people addressing that, that's actually a good sign because it means that someone else, like there is proven demand. And so if you find nothing on a, on a search that you do, no results in Google, no results in YouTube, you can even search inside Facebook, do it uh, as act as if you're in Google and search inside Facebook and see what out, is out there on social media. Um, that just gives you an idea of some real numbers of what kind of demand and, re and response resources there are. Um, and then what perceived value do our donors have? That I, I recommend creating a survey for your supporters and say, hey, we're thinking about addressing this problem or one of these five problems with, with a resource, with an answer, you know, guide that will address this. Which one do you think would be the most valuable? And use that survey to, again, gauge what is the, the, number, the top thing that we can start with, that we can address. And follow that up with a question. And if we create this, would you like us to send it to you? And then you get that personal buy-in, like this is not only something that they said, yes, I think it's valuable, but I want it myself. And so those three things together, five, six, and seven, will really help you understand this is going to be a resource that's worth our while to create. It's going to get a response. It's going to attract people. There's a lot of proven demand for it online. And, and then we can, if we create it and put it in front of people, they're going to want it. They're going to download it. They're going to come onto our email list. They're going to, we're going to be able to start building a relationship with them. Love it. Love it. So um, are you familiar with Ask Method by Ryan Levesque? Um, I am actually not, not deeply, but just a little bit. Yeah, so he says people don't like surveys, but they like giving their opinion. Yeah, yeah. I'd like yep. your opinion. And I would, I would think that if you ask people their opinion, they might want to see what the results are. So you might say, I'll give you the results. Um, so there, there are probably a lot of tricks to that. So you've- I love that, actually. I'm going to take a note on that. <laughs> I try to bring value to everybody. Um, <laughs> so you, you alluded to this earlier. How much time do we have? How much energy do we have? How much- can the tra how much traffic can it can we stand? You know, we can do so many things in the workday, and we're already in a sector that's burned out, overcommitted, and stressed. So how do we do this stuff and feel like we're not taking time from the work we're doing and and keeping the relationships with our donors? Right. Well, so one beautiful thing about this, and I mentioned this earlier, is. We need to attract people because we're every nonprofit loses donors every year, do loses supporters. Just even if they would love your mission, they some people just can't, you know, can't continue to support you financially, can't continue to volunteer, whatever it might be. Life happens. So we need to keep finding new people, but we also need to retain people. And that's even more important. And the nice thing about this approach is if we create these kinds of resources that require a one-time effort. Um, we can use them over and over and over again. We can keep provide, giving them to current donors, current supporters. We can give them to new people. 
And so it just creates this kind of evergreen resource. And you know, we can create new ones every so often, but it, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, one-time, one-off projects that require some upfront one-time effort, rather than again an ongoing like we need to call of all, all of our donors every month, and you know, and that's all valuable too. That's a different place, but in, again, with marketing, we want to be able to do one-to-one -one at scale. And so, again, and, and another thing I'll too I'll add is if we're basing our strategy on our guiding principle then we're no longer trying to do mission here, fundraising here. It's our fundraising effort to attract donors and serve them is actually part of our mission because it's coming from the same heart and expertise that we use to fulfill our mission. We're just serving them in a different way. And of course that doesn't negate the value and the, the, the primary primacy of our mission, but it's still the same heart. And so we can even show our donors, our, our major donors, look, we are attracting people by serving them in the same way that you care, that we all care about and using the same guiding why to reach new people. And so it's actually part of our mission. Ah, love it. Two more questions I have for you. This is all really good stuff. Thank you. Um, can you tell a story of an organization that does this effectively? Yeah. Um, so there is an organization that um, I know from my own personal life, um, a friend recommended their emails to me, they're called Connected Families. They help families, um, they help parents become more confident by leading um, their families with grace and growing their connectedness to their kids and, and letting discipline become a, an opportunity for connection rather than disconnection. And so um, I found out about them through a friend, subscribed to their emails, loved their content, felt really taken care of and helped by them. And, you know, they could have at the end of the year or during their, when their next event came, they could have invited me or other people like me to just support their mission. Um, but that wasn't their primary goal. Their primary goal is to serve. And they, instead of, oh, and they could have said like, look at this family, this is where they were at. This is what they, they went through our materials and this is how they were transformed. Please consider supporting our mission. Instead, they gave me a taste of their mission. And, and so I knew that the result was real because I had a taste of it. And, um, you know, not every nonprofit can have a perfect overlap between those they serve and those who support them, but you can still give it people a taste. Um, you know, like, a, a, you know, you're at, at Costco and you get a sample and you're like, I want the, the rest, you know, so, so, but they could, they gave me it, they let me experience it. And so for my, for me, I had this sense of, wow, this is real. What they do is real. It's valuable. And I had the sense of, I want to pay it forward because they help me, I wanna help, help them help other people who are like experiencing the same parenting challenges. And so it was very natural to become a supporter um, when they said, hey, would you like to join our insiders team? Not actually, not the same as their donor team. Um, we send out a weekly email where we ask for feedback um, on our marketing resources and our other, like we need, when we need help, we need, when we need an inside voice, we go to these people and they have, I think their insider team has about 600 people and they have like a 50% open rate. And these are the people, a lot of those people are on the donor list, but not all of them. These are the people who are recommend them to their friends. These are the people who are like, because these are the people who are gonna respond to their emails and help them. And so you, they ask the insider team, hey, can you get the word out about this? That, that's them. And, um, and then they have the donor team too. And you can, the, the way they set up their email too is you can, if you're on the donor list, um, you can always opt out of the donor list but stay opted in to their other emails that continue to send out resources. 
And so that's another thing that nonprofits can do is say, hey, our donor list is a special group of people that you can be part of. You can be on that list, but you can opt out anytime and still remain subscribed. And, and whenever we have a resource that might help you out, we'll send it to you. And, uh, you know, and that way you can stay in touch with people who maybe they're going through a financial situation where they're not able to donate to you right now and they don't want to hear about that, but you keep serving them and then they come back next year and they're like, oh, we want to, we, you know, we want to keep, we want to donate to you. We love what you guys are doing. Chris Barlow, um, you run Beeline, yourbeeline.com, yourbeeline.com. And you go there and you get his free ebook. So Chris, this is really helpful stuff. Um, why don't you leave people with, uh, where do we start? Where, we got all these ideas. Where do we start? Um, start Again, start with um, those seven questions and start with how can we, who can we serve? Um, how can we, again, who, who are we as an organization? And is there a place where we can have better alignment between our mission, our fundraising? And again, I think even if you don't do digital marketing, uh, even if that's not your strong suit in this organization, I think every obviously every organization has to do it. 2020 showed that. But even if our most of our fundraising is in person, and how can our fundraising be informed by our mission and, and our fundamental why? And if we're our, our heart is to serve people, we're going to be building a relationship with them, and they're going to get a taste of our mission, and they're going to be even more passionate about helping us help more people and reach more people the way that they were touched. It's great stuff. Chris Barlow, thank you for being our guest on the Nonprofit Exchange today. Thank you, Hugh. It's been great to be with you. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.